Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Western policymakers have watched Erdogan's balancing act between Turkey's NATO allies and Russia closely, seeing the war as an opportunity to pull Ankara back into the Western fold. As a result, several NATO countries have helped boost Erdogan's image in recent weeks with diplomatic visits and new offers of previously off-limits arms deals. Expert Mirve Tahiroglu, the Turkey Program Coordinator at the Project on Middle East Democracy, joins me today to argue that instead of focusing solely on Erdogan's balancing act, Western policymakers should be paying attention to the attitudes of ordinary Turks to the war. Merve, great to have you back with us. Hi, Thanos. Merve, why do you think Western policymakers should turn their attention to the attitudes of Turkish citizens to the war in Ukraine over fixating on Erdogan's positions? Well, for a couple of reasons. The most important one, I think, is that Erdogan's behavior right now, the Turkish government's behavior at large, is not that surprising. They're continuing the balancing act. They are supporting Ukraine quite a bit, and I do think that they're playing an important role there. But at the same time, they're emphasizing the fact that they don't want to give up Turkey's relationship with Russia because of this war. And so it's pretty much a continuation, I think, of what we've seen in general. Turkey has always supported Ukraine. This isn't really new. And the fact that it's doing so in this war is not new. So the Turkish government's behavior should not be surprising at this time. And it's not really going to change, I don't think, no matter what kinds of policies Turkey's NATO allies decide to devise on Turkey moving forward. The attitudes of ordinary citizens, I think, is quite notable because there was a recent poll that showed that, you know, about almost 50% of Turkish citizens actually blame the U.S. and NATO for the war itself. So not Russia and not Vladimir Putin, but United States and NATO. And I think, you know, this is important for Western policymakers. U.S. policymakers should care about public attitudes in countries that they have a relationship with, not just care about what the government's of those countries are doing, but what the public sentiment is. And I think it's quite revealing that such a large proportion of the Turkish public actually seems, and this is not to say that they support the war in any way. I really don't think they do. And we have numbers suggesting that they're quite worried about it. They don't actually support it. But it is meaningful that about half of them you know, see the U.S. and NATO as the main culprit here for, you know, being responsible for the war. And that should be important for policymakers. Why are so many people in Turkey blaming NATO and the U.S. for the war instead of Russia? You know, is this a question of Russophilia, distrust of the West, the prevalence of conspiracies and propaganda, all three? It's really a mix of all three. I mean, some people have argued that it's really the longstanding Russophilia in Turkey I do think that there is that sentiment, I mean, especially compared to here in the United States. Uh, I mean, people are really enamored with Russia. And I think there's a you know, level of romanticism in the way that Turkish people, especially left-wing citizens, look at Russia. I mean, Turkey was never you know, an Iron Curtain country. So people, I think, don't know as well <laughs> what happened in the Soviet Union and some of the disasters. So they look at Russia as, you know, this country that has always been an alternative model to Western Europe, which, you know, many people find arrogant in many ways because of their economic power and power projection. And, you know, the EU and, you know, EU's inability to integrate Turkey in any meaningful way 
into the European community, as you know, President Macron calls it. So I think all of these create a certain sense of Russophilia in Turkey, particularly, you know, in Turkey, Russian arts, so literature, the symphony, plays, novels, these are all very, very prevalent. But there's also the fact that for the last 20 years at least, particularly with news outlets that have been close to President Erdogan and back in the day, Prime Minister Erdogan, have been engaging in huge anti-Western propaganda, really painting NATO allies and countries like France, the United States, you know, even Germany, the UK, as, you know, a source of evil in the world and, you know, only self-interested and interested in maintaining their economic hegemony over the world. And, you know, particularly Erdogan himself and his media have propagated these crazy conspiracy theories, essentially pinning every single upheaval or anything that happened in Turkey, whether it be the coup in 2016 or mass protests in 2013 against Erdogan's government pinning all of these things on these Western actors. And that has a huge effect. I mean, particularly given the massive control over Turkey's media outlets that the government has had in the last couple of years, about, you know, 90, 95% of Turkish media is controlled by these people. And so these narratives have become all the more prominent and widespread. So it does have a reach on Turkish people. And I think at this time, the effect that these kinds of propaganda over and over again for many years have had on the Turkish public attitudes, especially towards this question, uh, I think that that impact is much higher than any kind of Russophilia that Turkey has had. How concerning is this decades-long bashing of the West that you described in the long term, especially as policymakers in the West increasingly look at the day after Erdogan? It should be quite concerning because the reach it has had, because of the you know monopolization of Turkey's media, the reach that these kinds of narratives have had on the public, I think, are well beyond just Erdogan's base. So maybe 20 years ago, we could have said, okay, there are quite anti-Western attitudes in Turkey, quite strong, and they're mainly associated with like the, the fringe left the radical left or associated with Islamists and associated with ultranationalists. And these are all, you know, rather fringe factions, right? But today, I think, as we can see with this poll results that I mentioned, a much wider segment of the public actually has been under the influence of such narratives. And I think many people buy them. So that is going to have certainly a long-term effect. And I think Again, Western policymakers should really care about this and try to change public attitudes, the hearts and minds of the Turkish people if they would like to have a long-term strategic relationship with Turkey and not just with you know, whoever is in government at the time. Around 90% of Turks, according to these polls, are quite worried about the war in Ukraine, fearing the impact it will have on their country, and about 80% want Turkey to remain neutral. Given these statistics, is it hard to see Erdogan abandoning his balancing act between the West and Russia? It will be very hard for him to abandon it. And I don't think there's any will to abandon the balancing act. I mean, you know, overwhelming majority of Turkish citizens have this attitude and they're convinced, you know, this policy of neutrality is good because they don't want to be dragged into the conflict because they're quite worried, I think, of what might happen to Turkey, how Russia might retaliate against Turkey if 
Putin sees Erdogan and Ankara as being a little too close with Ukraine, supporting Ukraine a little too much. I mean, Turkey, especially when it comes to energy, people always cite Turkey's dependence on Russia for tourism. And that's quite important, especially as we approach, you know, the summer months where a lot of Russian tourists come to Turkey and that generates a lot of revenue. So there's that. There's also the dependence on, you know, wheat imports from both Russia and Ukraine for Turkey. But the impact of energy, I think, is the most important. I mean, Russia has been the biggest supplier of natural gas for Turkey, and they've been building this nuclear power plant in Turkey. The dependence Turkey has on Russia when it comes to energy is quite concerning. And, you know, given previous behavior of Putin's government against countries that it dislikes, that it wants to punish, they have previously cut off, as we've seen in the case of Ukraine, energy when they want to punish a country. So this is, I think, quite concerning for both Turkish citizens and the Turkish government. So I don't think that Erdogan is going to abandon this balancing act, this neutrality, because it's simply not in the interest, you know, in the national interest of Turkey to do so. Merve, the Wall Street Journal reported today that the Biden administration has asked Congress to approve a new weapons deal with Turkey. And this comes as we've seen recently Western countries help boost Erdogan's image with, you know, high-level diplomatic visits. How do you see this impacting attitudes in Turkey toward the United States? This is a really important question, honestly, because as you said, I think all these kinds of endeavors, especially arms deals, even if they don't materialize, I mean, just seeing how the Biden administration is pushing for the not just the F-16s, but as the Wall Street Journal reported, many other important, significant weapon sales to Turkey. Some other NATO allies have also shown interest in recent weeks that they also want to sell defense exports to Turkey. All of these, coupled with the visits and the launching of the strategic mechanism between the U.S. and Turkey, which is something Turkey has wanted for a long time, all of these things, at the end of the day, are helping boost Erdogan's image in Turkey. And they're helping Erdogan make the claim that I can, what do they say, have my cake and eat it too? I can point my finger at the U.S. and at NATO all the time and blame them for all the disasters in Turkey and, you know, even buy S-400s, completely defying NATO interests and warnings from the U.S. in doing so. And then still, at the end of the day, these allies, these countries need Turkey so much, they will come and try to make these kinds of defense deals with me when push comes to shove. And that's really what it looks like. I think it's quite concerning because... (laughs) You know, let's say the U.S. government actually decides to go through with these sales to Turkey. Surely it's going to please President Erdogan. Surely it's going to really please the Turkish military and the Turkish government. But we have to see the context, the backdrop of all this inside Turkey domestically. I mean, Turkey is facing an election next summer, and there are many signs that it actually might be even earlier. There might be snap elections. So within the next year, there's going to be an election in Turkey. And never before has public opinion been against Erdogan as much as it is right now. There is a deep, you know, loss of public confidence in Erdogan's government, in their ability to fix Turkey's economic crisis, in their ability to actually 
not only, unlike as Erdogan suggests, make Turkey into a great regional power in the world, but far from it, all of their policies have isolated Turkey in many ways, and people just don't have confidence that this isolation is really going to be fixed, that as long as Erdogan stays in power, Turkey will ever be able to join the EU, for example, or ever be really taken as a partner in good standing in the transatlantic community. And obviously, the (laughs) inability to fix the economic problems is the most important one, but all these other considerations are quite important too. And there's a very strong loss of confidence in this government So, you know, I I can understand why the Biden administration and other NATO allies are trying so hard right now to, you know, as you said, lock Turkey into the Western camp, make sure that it's not going to fall even further into Russia's orbit, etc. But I mean, not only is that not going to happen, obviously, I don't think, you know, with or without U.S. support for the Turkish government, this much propping up of the Turkish government at a time when the Turkish public feels quite differently about that government, I think is just bad long-term strategic policy. It's certainly not going to help change Turkish public attitudes towards the U.S. I mean, part of the reason there is such a strong distrust of the U.S. and NATO among the Turkish public, beyond the conspiratorial narratives and the propaganda coming from Erdogan's media, beyond the existing, you know, Russophilia in Turkey, is because NATO and the U.S. are seen as powers that end up only boosting authoritarian figures, as they have done throughout the Cold War inside Turkey with their support to horrible coup regimes and supporting, you know, right-wing factions, ultra-nationalist factions that have seriously come at the expense of Turkey's democratic progress and trajectory. This current attitude of the Biden administration is only going to, I think, reinforce that distrust because it will be quite confusing for the majority of the Turkish public looking at the U.S. right now and completely failing to understand why is the Biden administration at a time like this ahead of such a critical election when the Turkish public opinion has turned against Erdogan and his government trying so hard to please Erdogan and boost his image. I think it's a big strategic mistake for the U.S. in the long term. Merve, thanks for joining us again. Always great speaking with you. Always a pleasure. In other news, Hungary upped the stakes in talks about EU oil sanctions on Wednesday, saying a deal was out of reach until Brussels offers a solution measured in hundreds of millions of dollars to replace Russian oil in the Hungarian economy. Meanwhile, the European Commission is facing a backlash against plans to send funding to Hungary as part of an effort to persuade Prime Minister Viktor Orban to agree to the sanctions. At a meeting of senior diplomats on Wednesday, several EU countries raised concerns about a plan to offer Hungary compensation. The dispute reflects the increasing difficulties confronting officials in Brussels as they seek to ratchet up pressure on Moscow over the war in Ukraine. Finally, Greece on Wednesday banned conversion therapy for minors, a practice aimed at suppressing a person's sexual orientation or gender identity, and which the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans community worldwide, as well as health experts, have condemned as harmful. Under the bill, which Greece's parliament approved, psychologists or other health professionals need a person's explicit consent to perform such treatment and face fines and a prison term if they violate the law. The government has drafted a national strategy that runs until 2025 on reforms promoting gender equality in Greece. Canada, New Zealand, and France criminalized conversion therapy earlier this year as well. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.